Welcome to Awards Radar, the podcast, a weekly discussion of the awards races, Hollywood news, and the films you should have on your radar. Here's your host, Joey Magidson. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Spooktober. See what I did there? And the uh, first official October episode of the Awards Radar podcast, or Frightcast. I'm uh, Count Joey, and I'm here with... uh, Maniac Miles. Hey, everybody. That's definitely the first time anyone's called me that. Never heard it before. All right. Fair enough. And uh, Psycho Steve is here. I've heard that before. Well, I'm not talking about at home. Oh, I haven't heard. No, I've heard that before. (laughs) Still, there we go. Um, We have uh, actually a fair amount of horror-related things uh, going on this week. We'll try to do, well, we have at least one segment every week this month but i think we'll be able to make it at least sort of 50 50 the horror of award season and the horror of horror films truly miles's life yeah i'm doing pretty how pretty pretty well right now there you go um so let's uh let's take care of a little business up top last week we did a uh sort of fancy draft for fake movies that we drafted i um closed the poll right before we did this and uh lo and behold Steve and I tied. Hooray. So, apparently, Coen Brothers movies, maybe not what the audience wanted. Or at but, least not one that they felt they'd seen before, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, well, also, we didn't say what kind of movie it was fully, so that's a little different. Um, and that's going to be different for um, not this episode when we do a special one, but in two weeks. First of all, you have two weeks to vote on this new one. But in two weeks, we're going to craft an original horror movie. Like so it. you'll have to sell your movie a little bit more. But that's why we're going to have two weeks to think of that. But today, we're actually going to be... Uh, I apologize, Steve. You're probably not going to win this one. We're going to be drafting our uh, Saw reboots. Oh, nice. So here's the rule, though. To make it a little more fair. Um, we can't use anyone who's been involved with the franchise before. Mm-hmm. So, no Crane, no John, no uh, no Tobin Bell, no uh, Chris Rock, none of the no the secretary from Becker. Yeah, yeah, no no Peter Atterbridge. Like we can go on with people that you're not drafting anyway, but it's going to be original. However, you want to think of it, whether it's uh, the um, a spiral type thing, just a straight like, okay, they're rebooting Saw, however you want to think of it. So what we'll do is we'll do director, actor, actress, writer, supporting player, and the composer, let's say. Because I don't think we need to go super deep on editing and cinematography on these. That's fair. And so I assume behind the scenes too, so like we can't use Charlie Clauser or anything. Yeah, yeah. No one who's no one who's been involved. Because I also, when I first thought about this for the ten seconds, I thought about it. I thought about like, ooh, I'll bring back uh, Kevin Grutert as the editor, but that would be a little unfair. Um. So also, you know, it gives us our own flavor a little bit. So um, Steve gets to go first, I think, because he <laughs> is at a relative disadvantage. Unless you'd want to go last, if that's better for you. Uh, sure, I'll go last. All right, so I'll 
I'll flip-flop the order. Miles, you going in second, or you want to go uh, first? Why don't you kick us off? All right, so let me change these. And uh, I almost thought about going with someone else that I won't say their name just yet at the off chance either of you pick them, though I don't think you will. So I uh, I also kind of painted into a little corner because I've said this like for almost a month now. I'm going to go with Zach Kreger, the director of Barbarian. Yeah, I, that's fair. I think yeah, one I, of us was bound to go that way. I mean, I essentially um, came out of that movie, and when I talked to Miles about it, I said I want him to make us all a movie. So I guess I'm producing one. So there we go. Uh, Zach Kreger, go to town on Saw. Miles? All right. Y'all ready for a curveball? Hey, I'm going the Coens. I'm going with Kevin Smith. What? All right. <laughs> hmm. Long-time ass- listeners to the pod will know that I do not have the best mm, relationship with Kevin Smith and his movies, but he is my pick for the film that I'm pitching. All right. You're pitching a, a different take, I can tell. Very much so. I mean, depending on... I mean, I will say... He's it done horror happen. stuff in fairness. It's not completely left field. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I would imagine you're pitching a movie in the like four million dollar range, probably, right? Uh, you know, we can make it work. Yeah, yeah, five. I would say it's not like a twenty. It's not a twenty million dollar horror movie. No, so. God, no, no. It's much. Exactly. It's much so. more in line with his earlier stuff. Yeah, it fit. It fits, and with know. most of Saw stuff. Exactly. There's there's a there's a world in which this works. So. Um, I'm curious where Steve goes, because we're clearly pitching this towards the franchise. Steve, who would you select? Is there an uh, indie horror filmmaker you'd like to give this to? Because remember, you're, you're essentially giving carte blanche to reboot this franchise. You're probably making it at a number, but you want some degree of like creative interest besides, you know, just a, a workman. I can't, who's like a real like run-of-the-mill workman-like horror director you wouldn't hire? Miles, you'd probably be better at this answer. Um, what's his name who did some of the, uh, Platinum Dunes remakes? Like Marcus oh, yeah, Nispel yeah. or someone like that. Yep, that would be a, a sure sign, like, oh, no, this is a crappy version. Well, I mean, we, we ended up kind of Not that I that mind so, some of the ones that he did. No, but, just but they're, like a name. they're soulless. Um, in the same way that, like, uh, those the Oh, yeah, because the original Friday the 13th was just overflowing with soul. No, no, that's not the franchise. That's a uh, director's playground, per se. But, like, so, uh, Jigsaw. You know, we, we had, was it the Spirit Brothers, who didn't seem to have as much fun with the premise as you would have hoped? Yeah. They kind of just took it as a gig? All right. Steve, you have any ideas? So we're working on a limited budget, or is there any kind of... I mean, you can make whatever you want, but thinking of the product yeah like here I'll, I'll give you i'll give you who my other option was i was gonna say david bruckner is my other option that's a good one yeah, but maybe steve doesn't think so well i know steve likes the night house so yes, i'm wondering yes. if that what it's gonna be a uh, an option you can still pick them it's totally valid i just that's more what i think the director for this should be in line with you can do whatever you want if you want jordan beale to make this one too go for it I just don't actually think of Jordan jive. Peele, but that's not. I have three in mind. He's gonna go to the well. He's gonna make the same movie every time. I was considering <laughs> it, but I decided not to because I'm once, sure. Once you love a creative team, yeah, after yeah. two picks, yeah, it worked once. So, oh, 
It's a tough one. You know what? I'm going to go Sam Raimi. Ooh, that's a good one. I know it's an interesting one. I think people would be disappointed in him for making it, but I'd be into it. Yeah. I just think his visual style would be would be cool with uh, you know with the Saw franchise, and it would it yeah. bring something because so, he brings a he brings a certain flavor. So, oh yeah, that'd be interesting. So the way I'm interpreting this, and you can obviously interpret it differently, is the the two leads are kind of your people in the traps per se, doing the doing the game. And the supporting player is your Tobin Bell, Max Minghella type character. That's how I'm interpreting it. You, you can do it however you see fit. I just that's how I'm going to play the game, as it were. Uh, see what I did there. Um, so you can play it as you see fit. Do you know? I couldn't remember the exact chord, and I remember you did it on the podcast, so I pulled up that podcast to remind myself. I think myself. I do it on every podcast we talk about Saw. Yeah. <laughs> and there, there's like a shocking number of them if you go back yeah. through our catalog. It's also harder than you would expect to find just the original score to the first Well, because it's been remixed with every sequel. That's true. And a lot of people just redo it. And that's what yeah. pops up on like Apple Music and things like that. I also for a second couldn't thought it was the Halloween score. And I couldn't remember which one. I was like, wait, that's not right. Though... I'm not going to pick him, but spoiler alert, for a second I was like, I wonder if I want John Carpenter to do my score, but he's busy getting high and playing video games. We should leave him alone. He's doing the God's work. He's doing he's doing a thing. Um, and he should be uh, allowed to do his thing. So for my actor, I am going to go with Michael Pena. That's pretty good. I was trying to think who's a good actor who doesn't get a ton of lead roles, who might be open to, like, a slightly jankier project than they would normally make, but would still get to have fun and be the star. And I think he'd be into it. Like, you know who my, my ideal pick? I would never, I couldn't do it because he's also not with us, but I would have said um, Philip Seymour Hoffman, but oh, God. I can't do it. <laughs> My my one level down was I was going to say Is he Paul like the Giamatti. Dr. Gordon character or like I, maybe yeah but I was like who's who's overqualified but might do it because yeah, you never know. I mean yeah. my my other answer would have been Paul Giamatti because he doesn't do a ton at the moment. But I feel well, like Well, he's done just the kind of trashy stuff where it's like you wouldn't you wouldn't be completely shocked if he did it. But I also don't think I'd be getting his A work. No. Definitely not. That's that's why I was like, I can't I can't do someone who's like, this is a paycheck. It's the equivalent of, and this will this will make more sense to like the seven people who listen who are also in the industry. It's closer to like when you get a press day invite, and it's like, oh, who's not participating? Who's a big star? Like, oh, okay, this was a paycheck job, and you were like, I'm not doing interviews for this thing. That's very much what that would have been. Like, oh, can I talk to Paul Giamatti for the new Saul movie? Oh no, he's uh he's not doing that. Michael Pena, I think, would have a good time with it. Plus, a little bit of representation in my movie. Not going to lie. Maybe that gets me a vote. Miles, where are you at? Well, I was with you until the, that last bit, which was so cynical. I mean, I made in a cynical Oscar bait movie in Tide last time. I've only learned to participate in cynicism. Okay. Well, I feel like the uh, the onus is then on me to go a little more outside the box. Um, I'm gonna go with Michael Bean. Hmm. 
He seems like the kind of not as big as he used to be, but still does stuff kind of guy who I would not be shocked to see in a Saw movie. But I also sure. think he would go for it in the as in as much as he goes for anything anymore. Sure, sure. My uh, my real out of the box pick is someone I might pick for my my supporter slash villain. So I'm not going to tell you who it is yet. But you would get a kick out of it when I say who it is. Steve, Fair enough. Who's your leading man? Hey, um. I don't know. I mean, there's leading men, and then there's leading men for a Saw film. So, I think I think you <laughs> want to think of like who's a good supporting player who's getting an elevated, up, you know, who's getting bumped up to a leading role. Hmm. Attainable is probably better for this. Or, I mean, you can make a Sam Raimi movie. Yeah. Um. I'm looking through, trying to find uh, someone that clicks, and so far I'm struggling to find that person. Uh, I mean, if you, if you don't put him here, your supporter has to be Bruce Campbell, right? Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, spoilers. Um, <laughs> He's just the first person who dies. Hmm. I mean, I think that's the, the Bruce Campbell move. Make him the opening trap. Yeah. Put him in, like, the reverse bear trap. Or the reverse fly trap one. Exactly. Or no, he has to chop off his hand. Yeah, that'd be that'd be a pretty good one. <laughs> yeah, that'd be funny. Uh, so, jeez, uh, I don't know. I'm struggling here. I don't who's know the, soft films. The, All right, let's go, John Hawks. Well, you know, it, that's actually fine. That's actually a good role. Good pick. I was like, that's just lo- think that's of like really good. Think of a guy who doesn't get a ton of leading roles, so they'd be likely to say yes, but is a good actor. I mean, Kevin Smith and Michael Bean is a pretty good combination also. I like our movies so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, because Kevin Smith, you know, is into all the stuff that Michael Bean is famous for. So he would he would craft that accordingly. Yeah, well, that's the thing. That's that's what I I think we should be aiming for is to craft a, a logical movie. More so than um, going out there with just the the dream team. I think making the right <clears throat> crew might be the way to go. Um, so for my actress, I mean, it was bound to happen sometime. I'm going Zoe Kazan. Oh, well, there you go. Class up my movie. I mean, still within the realm of possibility. Looser, but yes. It's it's about as as much as I can do that. Because I, I honestly my other pick would have been Michael Monroe, but she's done enough horror that it would feel like lesser yeah. return. She was on my list. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. You can still pick her. Yeah, I'm but just, I, I dropped her for the was, same reason. So Yeah. Cause if it was because it was also Watcher is fresh in people's mind and she I I'm there's probably a third one somewhere that just I'm not thinking of. And I can only really think of Zoe Kazan being in the monster, which was real arty and is a uh, different movie that I'm making here. Miles, your your actress for the Kevin Smith movie. My actress. I'm going to go. There's several with... who have been in his films before you could use. Yeah, but I don't want to be that obvious. I want to go. You know what? I'm going to go with Jessica Roth of the Happy Death Day films. I think she oh, would straddle the line between uh, comedic and horror performance really well. You have a you have a very camp vibe, I think, to your movie. 
Yeah. I'm into it. Steve? I'm going Naomi Watts. Re Whoa. <laughs> Return That's to horror. I, I, I could, you know, I could, say, well, you know, I, I'm starting to put together a plot. Have? What was that? <laughs> I mean, no, she just lost she a bet. Be? She lost a bet yeah. with Nicole Kidman. Mm. It's, you know, it's not like, it would be funnier if like she won recently and you're like, oh, this is just, it's not going to turn around for, oh, like was nominated the first time recently. And the way like, remember when Virginia Madsen got nominated? You're like, oh, maybe she won't be just like long suffering wives. And then she immediately was in like firewall. Like, yeah. Oh, never mind. It's she's just going to be better compensated. Fair enough. All right, writer. I'm going to pull a page out of Miles and and keep my my director, since he did write and direct Barbarian. I feel like I've got to do the same. Why would I have Kevin Smith direct and not write? I mean, that's that's probably probably fair. All right, Steve. Who's your writer? Hmm. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, who would write a Saw film? Um, I mean, I, I can give you the list. Um, you know, I think the more interesting one, who, who would write a Sam Raimi Saw film? And that may maybe look at who Sam Raimi has employed as his writer before. I'll give you a hint. One of them is Sam Raimi. Yeah. That's true. Is, is it? Yeah. I figured it was uh, like he, he often co-writes with like his brother or something yeah i mean if you look at drag me to hell he co-wrote it with ivan Raimi. oh really all right let's go with sam Raimi then yeah. same with uh spider-man 2 i want to say okay um didn't alvin Sargent like do a draft or something like that i think a bunch of people wrote like uh spider-man 2 yeah no let's go question is more who wrote spider-man 3 so uh, we can blame them i will have mm. sam write it as well with that whatever family member he yeah. chooses to bring on board Oh, sorry, sorry, Miles. Um, the only one that I think Sam Raimi didn't write is two. Incredible. <laughs> no, he didn't write one and two. He wrote three. So. Oh well, there you go. <laughs> that kind of shot that to hell just a little bit. Perhaps dragged it. I knew it was one of the Spider Mans. You just were hoping it was one of the good ones. Well, one always hopes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, hope springs eternal. Um, all right, so I'm going to take my big swing here. My supporter, who I'm seeing as the villain, um, we learned with uh, with Spiral, you don't necessarily need to just go for the Tobin Bell type, but they need to have personality. And I did think Max Minghella was an interesting pick when he had his little like villain scene. I was like, mm -hmm. okay, I can, I can see this. This works. Uh, less so with the... With the dude in Jigsaw, like the random, like... Uh, oh, he's my least favorite of all the apprentices or whatever. Like, he's just a plank of wood. Yeah, yeah. and that says a lot because What's-His-Face is uh, not the most charismatic of actors in... Uh, oh, uh, Costas Mandalore? Yeah. yeah well, no, but I'll take him over uh, fucking... What's it? The coroner any day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, his, his, his like, consistent lack of personality was interesting, at least for Costas. It was like, all right. You are you are essentially well. You can a, you can interpret it as like a projection of the sociopathy or whatever. Yeah, it doesn't that, that really did track, work. but you can it worked that way just enough that yeah. you were like, okay. Even though when you're like, wait, are you kind of the star of this movie? Oh no, like that wasn't the move I would make. But all right, um, so I'm going in a very different direction. My uh, supporting player slash villain slash whatever you want to call it, Simon Rex. 
Oh God. Yep. Okay. <laughs> he was actually my backup pick to star, but I think him as like a psychotic jigsaw type could be kind of wild. It would be something, that's for sure. I don't know. The I kind of like him bad. as the guy in the trap, to be honest, though. Well, I mean, who says he's not both? Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Who's your? Uh, um, I'm going this. to go with Dave Batista. Oh, interesting. Because I think he can fill sort of the physical threat that Mandalore hypothetically presented, but also like doing it in like a soft-spoken way, like you see him doing like your Blade Runners or what looks like yeah. Knock at the Cabin. Uh, I think he could actually be a really intimidating sort of presence, but like be more interesting because he's doing the traps and not like his strength isn't in beating people up. It's he's that much stronger. So how much better are his traps? Totally. Less so in the one of the which Bond movie was he a villain? Kind of just a. Oh, yeah. Where he's just he's just thumbnails. Yeah. yeah. I I will say um, a DVD, Blu-ray, whatever prize, the person who figures out this joke for me. Costas Mandalorian. I know I want to make a joke there, but I don't know how to do it yet. So if someone can figure it out, I'll give them a prize. <laughs> you know, like There's you something tell there. That, yeah, yeah. Like this is like if I was a comedy writer, I'd be like fuck, I'm gonna be up all night trying to figure out how to make this work. Uh, Steve, who's your supporting player or villain? However, you're pitching this. Well, I'm gonna go with Uncle Brucey. Bruce Campbell. There you go. Bruce Dern. Yeah, Bruce. Dern. <laughs> yeah. He's gonna be. He's gonna do a I mean, Dernji. I can, I can make a call for you. Yeah, yeah. He, hey, he wouldn't be bad. But no, let's go. Can with I tell you, wouldn't be bad in like the Tobin Bell style role. I think that would work. Oh. Can I tell you that I I've talked to him about some of these movies he's in where it's like not the biggest like glory part, and I usually frame it as like, oh, that was an interesting one, and he goes, that sir, was a paycheck, and I can't help but respect him when he says it. <laughs> Like, yeah, I did that for uh, what's known as money. All right. Your composer. The score for your movie, I am going to go with Disaster Piece. Okay. They did uh, It Follows and um, a number of video games, I believe, right? Another thing going in to It Follows? Maybe. I'm not familiar with their work. I will look it up right now. So Disaster Piece did. All right. So Richard Vreeland, also known as Disaster Piece, from Staten Island. Um, it follows Under the Silver Lake, Triple Frontier, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. So that actually works. And I had a... Yeah, did Fez and Hyperlight Drifter video game ones, so I don't really know those necessarily, but apparently did that. So there you go. There's my composer. Well, there you go. Uh, I'm going to go with the Dust Brothers, who did the score of Fight Club. All right. What's the last movie they did? I was just uh, looking that up because I wasn't sure. Um, I mean, apparently they're on Ted Lasso, but I'm guessing that's an older. I know. I guess they just did the soundtrack for one episode. It's weird. Or they're on the soundtrack for one episode. Well, that's what I'm guessing. So they haven't had yeah. a, a gig in a while, per se. Uh, composing, last thing they did was the Angry German Kid Show in 2020. Mm, and you're familiar with the Angry German Kid Show, right? 
I can't say I am. It looks like Fight Club is the only feature they've scored, so I say bring him back. All right. Why, <laughs> Why not? not? They're cheap. Steve? Save a few yeah, bucks. Yeah, maybe. All right. Um, well, is he still alive? Looks like he is. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is a good question to ask. Yeah. I... He's bringing John Williams back from my deck. It's, let me double check. Let me see what else he's done. Oh, I'm, I, I will go with him. Let's go with Christopher Young. All right. Would you like to sell your pick to the audience? Well, he did Drag Me to Hell, Hellraiser, Flowers in the Attic. There you go. Okay. He's got a, so you're, yeah, you're doing a good very horror. good pick. Yeah. He's got some yeah. horror background. All right. I like it. So there we go. I'm going to update the poll for uh, when you guys hear this you'll be able to vote we'll keep it open instead of uh one episode for two episodes we'll do a check-in next week and see how we're doing and then i will tell you now that in two weeks like i said you're designing your own from scratch horror movie and you will have to tell me the pitch so that will be part of it next week um two weeks from now so keep that in mind a little uh yes coincidence here he also did the it looks like he did the score for Trick or Treat, but the nineteen eighty oh, the nineteen eighties version that. with Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, the nineteen. Oh, well. I mean, we're still going to use it as a transition. Great transition, Steve. Let's talk about Trick or Treat. Couldn't resist. Um, I want Miles to lead this one because it was closer to your pick than not. Um, one of the other ones was your was your pick. This was sort of the one that made a lot of sense for everyone, but it's a movie you're passionate about. So, Very much so. Um, lead us in a short discussion about the, uh, I think I feel comfortable saying, cult classic at this point, Trick or Treat. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, so full disclosure, I did not rewatch it for this discussion, but I feel okay about that because I've probably seen this movie at least a dozen times. Um, I'm a massive fan of Trick or Treat. I think it is one of, if not the like quintessential Halloween movies like in terms of fully embracing the holiday itself. Because yes. a lot of stuff, even Halloween, it's like, it's there, but it's kind of in the background for a lot of the action. Trick or treat, it's front and center in every conceivable way. Um, it's a great little anthology of stories. Unlike many anthologies, there's not really a, a chapter here that I dislike. There's the one with the kids that's probably the least interesting of the four, but even that one, sure. I think there's good stuff in. Well, it also um, comes l a little later, so I think the momentum shift is not super Yeah, and it's a, it's a little slower and a little lower stakes relative to some of the other ones, but well, I guess you don't know tense. until you go. Yeah, the tension is, is – the turning of the screws, I think, is better in other ones. For sure. That's more, I would say. Yeah, um, give, us, give us our setup. Yeah, so basically it's um, it's Halloween night, and it's about four different slightly interconnected stories that um, that all sort of play out. And there's the central character of Sam, who, even if you haven't seen the movie, you've seen him in Hot Topic or wherever else. He's, you know, the cute little uh, kid with the bag on his head, and he's got the little lollipop with the with that he's bitten into, and it's got the, you know, the jack-o'-lantern on it. Um, and he's just sort of like this sort of mostly passive observer until the final chapter. Um, and, um, 
So the stories, you know, there's one where Dylan Baker's playing a serial killer trying to cover some stuff up. There's one He's about a bunch playing, of- playing a, a Todd Solon's role still. Well, I was about to say, it's very much an extension of his character in Happiness, which I- Somehow listen, less creepy. Th- those are my two favorite Dylan Baker performances. I think he knocks them out of the park. So so when we make a movie where he's some sort of homicidal pedophile, I know who oh, you're he, casting. Oh, he's the guy. No, but yeah. totally. Like, he plays a type, and he hasn't played it that much recently, but in the few instances where he has, he's really good at it. You feel like somebody uh, in his family was like, please, please don't play those roles again. Maybe. I mean, I think it's a damn shame that he never got to play the lizard like it was set up in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, because I think he would have done a lot with it. Yeah, that would have been a cool one. And I guess it would have been like Spider-Man 5 when they got around to that. Let's yeah, I guess, because they were going to do Vulture in 4. But they, they, maybe they would have teased him. Who's to say? Maybe. Um, but yeah, so his bit is really strong. Uh, you've got Anna Paquin and a bunch of other teenagers sort of looking for dates for this big party. But maybe there's more going on. Who's to say? Uh, There's a bunch of kids who go to a site where a school bus crashed and killed a bunch of kids. And then, you know, spooky things happen there. And then there's Brian Brian Cox as the most crotchety old, uh, you know, disgruntled, hates everything about the holidays, hates all of it. Um, And he gets a pretty nasty visit uh, from an unexpected guest. And uh, yes. (laughs) And uh, yeah, they're they're all really strong. Uh, It's directed by Michael Daugherty, who most recently did Godzilla King of the Monsters, which is a damn shame because I think that's the worst of the Godzilla recent movies. He did Krampus, right? But in between, he did Krampus, which is very much what Trick or Treat is for Halloween, Krampus is for Christmas. Um, And that's a really good movie as well. So I kind of want him to apparently Trick or Treat 2 is in some form of development. So I'd love to see him come back to his roots here. Agreed. Uh, Steve, what do you think? Uh, I enjoyed it. I think it would be one that I would enjoy the more I watched it. Because um, going in, I did see it years ago. And I wasn't expecting an anthology when I saw it. So, uh, Yeah, they didn't really sell it as one. Yeah. They also didn't sell it at all, which I'll talk about when I get to my, my wow. section. Yeah. They really <laughs> didn't want you to see this movie. This movie got fucked. Yeah, let's, yeah pretty much. let's just say it how it is. <laughs> but you know, it's it's getting a, it's growing. It's getting uh, obviously an audience because it's getting a sequel. Oh yeah, no, very. It's after the fact, but it is really nice to finally see it get that because this is the kind of movie. And sorry, Steve, I'll let you go on. Okay. But this is really the kind of movie that um, very much like how you have comfort, you know, Christmas movie watches. This is absolutely the kind of movie that like you watch alongside Halloween and Hocus Pocus and Poltergeist, whatever your choice may be for your like sort of the Halloween movie you watch every year kind of thing. Yeah, two out of th- two out of three ain't bad on that list. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's I I enjoyed it and I, I think it will be become become that for me. I'm uh, you know I just thought it was clever and I, I caught a lot more this time around because I wasn't I knew what I was going in for. Um, and I had, it's been long enough that I forgot enough. So it was still kind of fresh yeah. for me. And, uh, just, fair. just overall, I think, you know, it, it surprises you in that first few seconds, you know, like the first, what, three minutes, uh, there's a brutal slaying of a beloved actress or at least beloved enough. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was like, oh yeah, I forgot that it was this dark, this quick. And it consists and it continues throughout. There's, you know, it doesn't pull punches. It's, uh, it's definitely much more, you know, with the visuals make you think like that, that character, that little, 
you know, what, what's the name of the, the boy with the Sam? Yeah. You, you, you look at that and you go, Oh, it's going to be lightweight kind of, you know, not hocus pocus, but maybe a step above or two and, and hocus uh, pocus too, clearly. Yes. And, uh, in, in like nightmarism, you know, it's like, it's how scary it yeah, is. Yeah. And, it, 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 it definitely elevates it. And there, but there's enough humor and there's, I mean, there's plenty of humor too as well. It's like, and that's what, another thing that surprised me. There's a, a, a very good visual in the first chapter with uh, the father and his son carving the pumpkin that I yes, yes. completely threw me for a loop. Um, but yeah, so those are the things. And then I like too, if you look in the background, you see, I forget when it happens, but you see a foreshadowing or maybe it happened after, of what happens to the neighbor. But it makes no sense. You're not paying attention. You're seeing through his yeah. window. You don't know what the hell's going on. But after it all comes together, like, oh, you know, it starts to all click. So it's clever in that way, too. So I, yeah, I enjoyed threads, it. Threads the needle well. Yeah. Um, so um, before I talk about how it got fucked, um, I will say that one of the reasons we're not going as in-depth as we might in the weeks to come is it's literally going to be coming out in theaters for the very first time as you're listening to this on October 6th. Truly showing you how badly it's been fucked. Um, so if you haven't seen it, we haven't spoiled anything, you should go see it. It's a really good October movie. Um, but here, it screened for the very first time December 9th, 2007 at the uh, awful Harry Knowles's uh, supposedly fun but thon but that would require spending 24 hours with Harry Knowles. So none of us were ever doing that. Um, the it played at, uh, yeah, having to sit with him, uh, sit, just it played it, it played at scream fest. There was a free screening in New York, um, in October of 2008, any cool news sponsored a screening in Los Angeles in 2008, 2009, San Diego comic-con it played at Fantasia festival, 2009, it literally played the like festival season in 2009 and didn't do anything else. It came out on DVD basically two years after it was scheduled to be released on October 5th, 2007. So exactly um, 15 years later, it comes out in theaters. So yeah, it got uh, it got real fucked by Warner Brothers who did not believe in it for some reason which is also part of why it developed its cult following. Uh, and this was, as we said last week, around the same time as like Cabin in the Woods and Margaret and all these movies that you're like, I, I, why can't we see them? Like, why are these sitting on the shelves? Years ago, I wrote a piece for Award Circuit on like movies stuck in development hell. Maybe I'll go dig it out one day from uh, the Wayback Machine and, and share it with you guys. Because it, it, was, it was movies like this. And um, isn't there a... Uh, is a DiCaprio movie that'll never come out again, right? Like a, from oh on. yeah, yeah, like one we did when he was a fair bit younger, and that just got buried. Yeah, and I think he has since helped bury. Rumor has it. Maybe there's a lot yeah. of stars in that movie. I think I don't remember which one it is. There's, I mean, we could look this up. Someone has done an article besides me on it, but Trick or Treat was one of the of this era. Like, let us see this movie. You know, now nowadays people would be on Twitter and awful about it, but this was a, a more passive version, uh, and it's a shame because I think I think honestly, if it had come out, it would have come out in such a haphazard way, it would have tanked. 
but it's the type of movie that should have been an, a little bit of a cult following in indie success maybe even builds to its current stature which is a pretty good stature i personally my favorite segment is the one with the uh with, with dylan baker as well um also just the sort of like this movie doesn't spare children and i think that's a really oh no nice there's touch. some gnarly kid deaths in this it's also maybe the only time you'll ever see mild spoiler like a candy bar kill someone yeah that, that nonsense we grew up like remember remember when you were told like oh don't eat open candy like I don't remember the exact stat that I, I've heard, but like I think every recorded instance of that happening has been basically the parents poisoning their own child. Jesus. Literally has never happened. It's like that meme about like drugs are expensive. We're not putting drugs in our can in the candy. Well, candy I was about candy. to say, like, without revealing too much about myself, as an uh, adult, the the idea that any adult is giving away their drugs to your kid is so fucking ridiculous. Yeah. You know, just got home from a hard day, and here's how I'm going to relax. I'm going to give my gummy to to Timmy over here. And that's just not how that works. Um, Shamefully for us as children, in fact, we were deprived. Um, Just like we were deprived of trick or treat. See how I I wrapped that up in a nice little package? Boom, segue. All right. Miles, would Ah. you like to reveal the movie we're talking about next week? Uh, I Do I have would, to remind you which one? I would very much like to reveal it, and I am going to do so would you in like a manner answer? that is completely natural, and that is not me padding for time while I look it up, because I remember you sent me like a week ago. Well, what I'll say is we're not Okay, and the so week. the film we're talking about next week, there which we I already knew off the top of my head, uh, is the 19... Wait, wait, by the way, was this yeah. also your pick? This one was my pick, yes. That you didn't remember? Well, I didn't remember the order we were doing it. I didn't remember if it was mine or Steve's. We, we arranged it this way because week three, I think, has to be week three for everyone to have, for you guys to have seen it in time. Right. No, and it's not, that's not true. Well, I think it's just to coincide with the other film that that ties in with. Yes, that's what it was, because I can then talk about the next installment, because we're talking about last year's version. All right, we're back. All right, we're back. Talk about the film <laughs> you picked that you definitely knew off the top of your head. I did, and it's not a film that ties into anything, but I just think it's neat. We're going to be talking about the 1988 version of The Blob. Directed by Darren Aronofsky and starring Brendan Fraser. Gosh, well, that would be... Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Boo. I, I, I had to Boo. make one I'm the only one of this group who's Boo. seen that movie and, and loves it. I'm allowed one joke at its expense. Uh. All, right. All right, that's your impersonation of The Blob. Go on. Uh, yeah, starring uh, Entourage's Kevin Dillon and the Saw franchise's Shawnee Smith. This film mm-hmm. comes to us from director Chuck Russell, who is most famous for Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, The Mask, and The Scorpion King. As one does. As one does. Yep. Um, would you like to briefly mention the other versions of the film? Because uh, this was... movie has been made before. Uh, yeah, there's a 50s one with Steve McQueen. And is there one after the 80s version? If there is, I'm not familiar with it. Well, I don't, I don't, I'm going to, no, I'm stalling for time. Well, I know the film we're wrapping up with, uh, Steve's pick, has been done more than once as well. Notably poorly, at least once. 
Yes. Okay, I'm on IMDb. There's the 50s version, the 80s version, and in 1972, there was a movie called Beware the Blob, and that's Beware exclamation mark the Blob. There's also the stuff. So By the way, I'm not sure if that's connected or not, but or this, if it's it's it it's like not, a, but it's a similar setup. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, side note for people who are going to be looking up the 88 version we're watching. Um, by the way, it is uh, written, co-written by Frank Darabont. There you go. So here, the, the, apparently this one is in fact the third film in the franchise. So Beware the Blob does count. Well, there you have it. Directed by, wait for it, Larry Hagman. No way. The Blob attracts... Yeah. Great talent. Darren Aronofsky. Well, it, didn't attra- it didn't attract Genie. <laughs> Don't rub so the got, blob. Yeah, so there's... And by the way, there is in fact a new version in the works. Well, I remember they've been working on it forever, but I don't know where it's at right now. It's definitely not well, like... Lucky, about to start filming or anything. Well, lucky for Kelly. Initially, Rob Zombie was going to make it. Oh, God. Which, are we, are we, by the way, are we doing yeah. that or no? Are we doing what? I mentioned your wife. Are we Are we talking about the monsters oh. or no? Oh. We forgot about that, did we? We straight up forgot. Yeah, okay, we were going to do a bit last week. Kelly was watching the monsters while we were recording, and we were talking about, well, maybe we'll ever come on and say your piece. But she was tired and she went to bed. I mean, if y'all want to pad for time, I can run and see if she wants to come in real quick. Yeah, see. Otherwise, see if she wants to uh, give you a statement that you can make. All um, right. I will be right back. I leave you in Joey and Steve's capable hands. Yes, this is this is the most padding for time we've ever done. Uh, Steve, it was actually going to be um, written. I guess the next draft after that was the, the Hayes brothers who did um, The Conjuring. For the new one? Writing-wise. Nice. I, uh, yeah, I, I it mean, it's, it seems it should happen. You know, it seems like a there hasn't been a great version out there. So, and the thing is, though, what I fear is you're going to get a lot of CGI. Of course, I mean there is no uh, practical blob movie that's going to get made now. Yeah, well, that's too bad. There's no way to do that. I mean, there yeah. is a way to I do mean, it. You want to make you one? Can, you can, but I mean, you don't have to. It doesn't have to be practical. It just has to be restrained use of CGI. You know, not that's true. You know, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of films that use CGI that are fantastic. They just, you just don't think about the CGI. You think about the film. So, mm-hmm. we shall see. That's fair. Remind, uh, remind me to pitch you one day my my porn parody of the Blob. <laughs> okay, I will remind you. <laughs> and get that pen and paper ready. That's a terrible idea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he comes up in a, in a in an awards radar business meeting. <laughs> Next up uh, on the docket, read the minutes. Uh, it will be uh, that will be an interesting conversation about the blob, um, especially next week when inevitably some other Oscar movie has done something notable and we we pivot to the blob, um, much like we're pivoting from trick or treat to an awards thing shortly as we wait to find out if uh, we're joined by Kelly or not. So in the meantime, Steve, how do you feel about being tied after one round of the uh, drafting? I'm pleased, of course. You know, I I thought I had a good squad out there, and if I I thought we were going to draft a few more rounds. So, if we did, I think I would have filled it out and helped tell the story without telling the story. Um, the first time or this time? The first time. This time around, yeah, yeah. 
I, I I think I have a strong I. Well, we never we never said what the name of our film was, right? And I don't really have a name. We're gonna wrap. That's but, what we're gonna do when we wrap up. Oh, okay. can recall from last week. Oh, I don't recall. Hey, hey, I'm back. Oh, all right. Uh, so all you missed was um, me not recalling. We, yeah, uh, I said that um, the Hayes brothers were gonna write that ver- the the upcoming version potentially, supposedly. Interesting. And I, I jokingly told Steve that. Um, to ask me about the porn parody of the blob that I'm going to pitch. Oh, that's that must be the Rob Zombie version then. Probably, honestly. Uh, speaking uh-huh. of Rob Zombie, uh, we have someone here who has thoughts about Rob Zombie's latest film. Ladies and gentlemen, Rob Zombie. Wow. <laughs> I don't know what he sounds like. It's an honor. <laughs> I like that. That's what you think Rob Zombie sounds like. <laughs> Brains. He's an actual zombie. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) (laughs) What a Halloween costume. There you go. Uh, No, actually here for the very first time on the show and give us one moment where we awkwardly transition. uh, My wife, Kelly Hughes. Kelly, talk. She's quiet. Or not. Yeah, she's very quiet. What? There oh, we can go. Can you hear me now? Yes. Is this better? How it's, it's be- I mean, we don't know if it's better, but we can hear you. Ouch. <laughs> well, hello, you Kelly. watched a very bad movie, so. Oh, hello. This is Steve. This is Steve. I've never spoken to you, so. Hi, nice meeting you. Nice to meet you. Here's our pod. Your pod not your, in your person. Introduction. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Stephen Brayton Kayfabe. Um, <laughs> Kelly. Yeah. I'm sorry you watched this movie. Me too. Let me yeah. tell you. Let me tell you Go how very, very sorry I am for watching The Monsters. <sighs> what kind of horseshit was that? <laughs> <laughs> well put. Um, I was personally offended by the, the young Frankenstein related bit in the movie that. Oh. If, yeah. Yeah. Do you love the monsters? Are you a fan of the monsters? So I was a fan of the original series. Um, Yeah, of course. You know, you grow up, you watch the 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 reruns on TV Land. That's what I used to do, and I was really looking forward to it. And then they announced who the director was: Rob Zombie, your favorite filmmaker. Oh yeah, of course. He he did such a wonderful rendition of uh, Halloween. In well, Halloween. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, Lords of Salem, a notable favorite of yours, right? Oh, totally, totally. Nothing but horse crap. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hate hated every minute of it. Um, yeah, very disappointed. Is uh, yeah. an understatement. Well, also. <laughs> Even beyond the, the, the Rob Zombie of it all, and he wrote it, so he's responsible. Why is this an origin story of how they met? You know what it reminded me of? Do you remember Flintstone's uh, Viva La... Uh, what it, Viva Rock La... Vegas. Viva, Viva Rock you. Vegas. Yes. <laughs> Say that ten times fast. Um, no. no. I'll have a stroke. <laughs> Too old okay, to do that. Well, okay, to, so you don't have a stroke. I won't ask you to do that. Um, 
Yeah. Do you remember that movie? Viva Rock Vegas? Yeah, yeah. That's what it reminded me of. Yeah, that's that's not how you... Uh... You mean instant classic? Yes, yeah. instant classic. Exactly. Uh, exactly. There was... There's one almost funny joke. It's not even a joke. There's just one like, ah, that's almost kind of clever. W- was it the movie? No. It's, <laughs> it's, it's Lily being on a date with Count Orlock. Okay, that part that part I thought was really good. Um, that not the part, things that happened, just that it's not Count Orlock. Well, exactly, but yeah, I none of the jokes landed at all. What about when it's, Herman does stand up? Oh, was that stand up? No, but it's supposed to be. <laughs> no, it none of it. It's just, it's been, it's so bad. Um, <laughs> it looks oh. bad. It's not well made. It, I mean, go ahead. I no, I sorry to interrupt. I get where they were going. For yeah, campy. Yeah, campy. But maybe if they had done it in black and white, like the the show, maybe it would have looked a little bit better. But obviously Here. not. Hey, I have this, a question. I have an answer. All right. Has your family seen all of Miles' movies? <laughs> has my family? Yeah. I assume his family has. Oh, yeah, they have. Oh, I was about seen- to say, could you show them this and tell them Miles made it as like a, like on the side, like <laughs> on weekends thing and see oh, what yeah. they thought? Oh, totally. Because they'd probably be like, all right, this is not bad. Like, it looks okay. Yeah, like, all right. This is a they- good movie. <laughs> they would. They probably wouldn't even say that. They'd be like, "All right, like you know, he had no money. Like I get it. You guys probably made it like on weekends and like with like people you found on the side of the road. We, we get it." Yeah, he he tried his best. <laughs> We're talking about good... you, by the way. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> we can hear you if you talk loud. By the way. Uh yeah no it was a lord of load of horse crap and I hated every moment of it especially and um what's her name uh Rob Zombie's wife Sherry Moon Zombie oh yes what a choice you know (laughs) well his only choice right because he keeps using her in every single goddamn thing he makes right well he needs to not cast it while he's in bed and be like who should I make in this role oh I want it oh oh, maybe my wife maybe my wife should star in this this movie that I'm making movie I mean I will just throw out there that maybe don't knock nepotism fully considering fair yes that is a fair point (laughs) Considering if, if we reverse the roles, you might want to do the exact same thing. <laughs> hey, Miles. Who should you can cast I be in this? A Me? Movie? <laughs> yes. <laughs> he did, he, I heard a laugh, not a yes, though. That was the bad part. Uh, yeah, I know. We'll talk later. Exactly. There's a, there's a, couch. <laughs> there's a couch somewhere. We can figure this out. Uh, well. Oh, the living room. <laughs> yes. Is it? Now, have you seen more than 10 movies so it's not in your top 10 for the year? Uh, it's, it didn't even make it. Where, where was it? It was like the very bottom of the barrel. Yeah. yeah. Well, no. Oh, let's talk about Herman Munster, by the way. Must we? No, we don't <laughs> have to. But do it anyway. <laughs> but do it anyway. Yeah. So what did, what did you think of his performance? Mm. Uh, I mean, 
any any time anything he was saying or doing that wasn't just like the like head shruggy like shakiness of, of Herman was terrible. But I guess passably like looked like him. Yeah, I'll give him that. Like for this, I mean, the the I don't know if you saw the teaser trailer where it was just them basically coming out of the house like in the opening credits of the show. That looked fine. Yeah, you know that part. I think I got really excited for him. Like, oh, okay, he's actually going to do like a faithful adaption yeah. of the monsters. It should have been twenty-two minutes long. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, but no, I agree. Did they need to do uh, a prequel? No. Well, well, now yeah, you now you clearly need to know what happens next, right? Do we? Because I do we. Do we I mean, really I suspect. Need to? I suspect no, considering it debuted on Netflix, and it's not a <laughs> Netflix film. But uh, oh, that's you know. right, because there wasn't a Netflix logo on there, so they didn't even want to own it. So no, it it came out <laughs> on DVD and Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. No thanks. No. Exactly. Final um, thoughts before we uh, turn back over to Miles, and you're allowed to go back to sleep. <laughs> Now that I've been um, so up. rudely awoken, not really rudely, but um, my final thoughts are, do not see the monsters under any circumstances, not even if you're drunk. It is just the worst moves, movie possible. Um, and even if it was a passion project, maybe some passion project should not be made. Mm. All right. Mm. Thank you, Kelly. Um, by the way, you're on assignment next week. You're interviewing Rob Zombie. Awesome. Well, I'll get right there with all the questions that I have for Mr. Zombie. Please refer to him as Mr. Zombie. I will. Also, did you hear Miles' impression, impression of Rob Zombie? No, I haven't. I have to find out. As he comes back, tell him to do his impression of Rob Zombie. Oh, I will. That's impressive. <laughs> Thank you, Kelly. All right. Well, good night, everybody. Good night. Nice Good meeting luck. you. Nice meeting you. Signing off. <laughs> wow. Even as an outro. Impression. My impression? Of Rob Zombie. Oh. <laughs> oh, it's great. Rob Zombie sounds a lot like Nick Nolte. <laughs> it kind of. Oh my god. Nick Nolte as Rob Zombie. Could you imagine? It's in the, It's the sequel to Weird. Hold on, let's make that kiss nice and wet for the for the listeners. Um, mm-hmm. Oh no! Mm-hmm. Truly, the horrific part of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, excellent. Uh, yes, so we we got another horrific thing in. Truly, truly a horror themed podcast. Um, let's. Can you imagine on... in this the month of our Lord Spooktober? Exactly. Um, let's finish up on the horror stuff and then talk awards, so we can move on to Miles's horror. Um, Let's talk about a Hellraiser for a moment. Only a moment, because Miles will be seeing it this weekend? Uh, I'll have seen it by the next episode. Okay, so you'll chime in. Um, uh, Steve and I saw it on uh, Screener Link. You all will be seeing it on Friday on Hulu. Is it even in theaters? Or are you just watching it at home? I think it's just Hulu. I think there's maybe early talk about a limited theatrical run, but I haven't heard anything of that happening. Hmm. I think I remember that as like a sign of confidence. Like, oh, it's it's we think it's pretty good. Um, so spoiler alert, it's fine. Like, I, I like it more than Steve, I think, though, when Steve talks about it, he has a uh, different take on the property than I do. 
Yeah. Um, I don't have a great memory of them. I remember the first one being like gnarly enough to be like, yeah, that was fine. And it's one of those ones you watch when you're first getting into horror, right? And you're like, oh, what are all the franchises? And you're like, okay, well, there's, there's Michael and Freddy and Jason and the hell is Pinhead? And and then you realize like, well, he's not really like a, or she this time around, a movie monster in the traditional sense of like, they're not really doing the killings per se. They just kind of like hover around and tell you about the horrors to come. It's an int- they essentially narrate the movie in a way. Um, They're the Greek chorus, if you will. True, truly. Th- them and the Cenobites. Like, we should do uh, a-, a Shakespeare adaptation with them. I'd love it. You know what? There's your next, there's your next short film. Um, I get an exec producer credit. Um, you know what? The thing I liked about this one, because otherwise it's pretty much a, a Hellraiser movie. It's better than all the sequels, which, as Miles knows, not saying very much. Um, I guess on par with the first one because the first one I wouldn't say is a great movie it's of its time this one has a, a pretty good director in David Bruckner who did The Night House um, a VHS segment I believe and something else right something else he did uh, The Ritual yeah like is a solid uh, horror director but the thing about him is he seems to like like character more than most horror filmmakers so in a way I think people looking for like a big horror epic are going to be a little disappointed because it is pretty much a Hellraiser movie with maybe even more focus than you would think on the uh, the protagonist, which could go either way for people because it is still like kind of written like a horror film. But they do spend a lot of time investing you in like the troubled character at the center. The one thing it definitely doesn't do as well as the original is the human villain. Not great. Um, also, the the practical effects are pretty solid, though the uh, Steve will know what I'm talking about. The effect on the male, uh, the human villain, is pretty silly looking. Like the yeah. basically key inside of him, um, yeah. you know, like the the various like Cenobite related torture devices that people wind up in in these fran- in this franchise. Miles, um, he has one yeah. essentially in between his his front and back, and it just like turns periodically and like i guess like pulls at his like organs and like his nerves all that shit yeah yeah nerves like cause him pain instead of pleasure because they misunderstood because you know they're they're cheeky bastards those cenobites with their wishes but the you know the gore is solid the uh story's fine it's effective if you if you want a hellraiser movie you're going to get it if you want like a great horror film you're not gonna get it it's it's a very like solid three-star like glad this exists i don't know that they're going to make another one but for a like hulu release that really just could be like a thrown together piece of garbage i was satisfied if not like surprised um steve you're a little more measured in your take yeah so, but yeah, i, I think you're touching from. upon a thing some things that make me you know better ex- help me will better help me explain my take on it so overall sure, i think hellraiser is the the franchise is just okay it's not one that I follow. I don't know the mythology. I know enough of it to get what's going on. But what is this, the, like the eighth Hellraiser or something like that? Yeah, I think not, the eleventh, more like. I, I can tell you a lot of the horror films, like especially like a Nightmare on Elm Street. If I think about it, I can tell sure. you where they went and and how the you know how how the story goes, the mythology, how it evolved. Same with Friday the Thirteenth, uh, Halloween, of course. But with this, it's just like it's always been kind of a mood piece. And I think that's where it plays best. I think 
for people who like horror and are hanging out and having a Halloween uh, event, this is a good background film to have on. It's you know it's, it's beautifully shot. It's uh, the visuals are great. The practical effects are very good. The makeup is, is excellent. Uh, like you said, that one core and I guess that's a good word for it. Core effect with the uh, the main human villain is kind of feels like a something. It's kind of, it feels pretty dated. Um, the way it's pulled off, but overall, uh, I enjoyed it. I just don't get enough out of Hellraiser films to want to see another. And I, I usually about halfway through, and this one just uh, no exception. It just kind of runs out of steam. You okay? So they're here. People are getting tortured. What's next? And ultimately, there is nothing next. It's just like. Then you know the now individual. Like a there is nothing next. <laughs> there you go. Uh, um, but yeah, it's 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 good Halloween background fodder. It's nothing. There's not enough substance there for me to recommend it. But it's not a bad film. Um, it's it's it is yeah. it is a Hellraiser film. So if you enjoy Hellraiser films, I think you'll enjoy this. If you're not a fan of Hellraiser films, you know it's it's more of the same. Uh, done very well, but more of the same. So, sure, that's where I stand. Um, Miles, have you seen all of them besides the new one? I have only seen the first two. Um, right. I I really like the first one. I think it stands up as like, especially for how cheaply made it is. It's like sure. really impressive for the time, and it's got some like creative ideas and some interesting stuff to it. It is one of those movies. You know, I feel the same way about Ghostbusters or like. There's plenty of movies out there where you're like. Maybe this shouldn't have been a franchise because it is like you get into the second one and it's immediately diminishing returns like pretty quick. Like I know a lot of people like Hellraiser 2. I think it's kind of lousy and boring and whatever. And then my understanding is they only get worse from there. So yeah, it's, they, not a, get, it's not they, a series that I've gone through, but I do really like that first one. I've seen some of them. I remember that I've also I, I recently looked up the plots of all of them just to see. They get way into like the mythology of, of like the box and the history of it. And you're just like, I don't care in the slightest. Um, yeah. So Hellraiser, Hellbound, Hellraiser 2, Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth, as opposed to the first two, and Hellraiser Bloodline come out in theaters. Then they go straight to video until this newest one, which I guess is not a theatrical release either. Um, the fourth one, though, directed by Scott Derrickson. And he'll be the first to tell you it's not good. Yeah, but not for nothing. And then I know, I mean, it does hit a lot of the horror franchise tropes in terms of silly sequels, which I like. Because from memory, there's one that revolves around a video game. And there's one where it's Hellraiser in space. And that's pretty Um, good. I I love that the um, sixth one, no, seventh one is just called Hellraiser Deader. (laughs) Oh, the titles are great. So, the, also the one of one. them stars Mayhem from the commercials. Yeah, so we we have Hellraiser Inferno, Hellraiser Bloodline, Hellraiser Hellseeker. Uh, you have Deader, as I told you, Hellraiser Hellworld. Hellraiser That's got to be the video game one, probably. Hellraiser Revelations. Yeah, no, there's ones and zeros on the on Matrix style on this poster. It's definitely going to be that one. Oh, no, Lance Hendrickson's in it. Yeah, it's pretty. Hmm. Oh, 
I'm sorry, Lance. Yeah. Well, a- let's let's not pretend we live in a world where Lance Henriksen hasn't made some questionable career choices. That's true, but he's above this. Yep, the game is called Hellworld. Hellraiser Revelations. Oh my god, Hellraiser Revelations is a Dimension Extreme release. Oh. Oh, even even better. Um, and Hellraiser Judgment. I really hope that one is a trial. Wouldn't that be something? Heather Langenkamp's in that one. I know the last two, they were the first ones to not have Doug Bradley come back as Pinhead, but my Did understanding come back is randomly that randomly in one. No, he did all of the first batch. It's just the two most recent ones that he's not in. Um, and my understanding is at least one of those was literally, we own the rights, and if we don't fart something out in the next year, then we're going to lose them. And that's yes. the only reason it exists. And apparently it is notable in horror for being one of those franchises, kind of like Die Hard, where most of the sequel scripts were something else, and then they kind of shoved Hellraiser into it. Yes, that is that is also accurate. Um it's nonsense. Very important to know. It's nonsense. Um, more on Hellraiser next week when Miles has seen this uh, this newest version. So um, next, I would like to do one of our questions. If that's okay with both of you. I accept. Excellent. Um, Kayfleet208 wants us to do Mount Deathmore, the Mount Rushmore of deaths, craziest or most creative in a horror movie. Gosh, I gotta think. There's so many. <laughs> um, I will say one of them should be Bradley Whitford in Cabin in the Woods. Oh, with the merman? I'm into yeah. that. It's just everything you want from finally seeing the merman. Um, it's including I the think spout we, of blood at the end. Speaking of spouts of blood, I think we've got to do uh, Johnny Depp getting sucked into the bed in Nightmare on Elm Street. Sure. Um not the worst thing involving fluids in a bed the giant up would have to deal with in his life, apparently. I thought you there was just maybe a chance you wouldn't go for the low-hanging fruit, but... I mean, it's Johnny Depp. Too optimistic no, by half. No. Uh, listen, isn't there, like, some weird direct-to-TV, like, remake of The Trial that's now coming out? I don't want to talk about it. No, it's I. It's awful. We don't need to go it there. Ma- it makes me sad. Yeah, I mean, have you seen the world? It makes me sad for the world. Yeah, which unfortunately is part of the course. Um, what about uh, Hereditary? Little car ride. Oh, head? Yeah. Windows open. <laughs> yeah. That's Pretty shocking. Not bad. What's, I'm trying to think what the most it's shocking a smaller one film. would be. So it's. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I sh- okay, are we going by gruesomeness or significance? Because there's always the shower scene from Psycho. Well, that's. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but if. That's a good one. But it's not craziest or most creative, though it is like a legendary one. So I want to I want to well, call it special citation for that one. My mother in law says, you know, that was one of the first horror films I think ever. Well, bring her but on. True, and she said that terrified her. So you know, now right, we've Steve, seen it all. Um, hold on, let me see. She's sleeping out back. All right, Miles, we're gonna vamp while he wakes up his mother in law. Get in here, woman. Okay, brilliant. Uh, no, she. Um, <laughs> Steve, but so, so you, you know, you, be... it's context. You know, right now we've seen it all. I, yeah. I mean, after you see four or five horror films, I'm willing to leave it there numbed. for a moment. So. I'm willing to leave it there and see. By the way, Steve, missed opportunity for you not to put on a voice and truly do the psycho and, and just <laughs> pretend to be the mother. Very, uh, yeah, I'm too tired. It's okay. We would have questions. 
Um, okay, let's put Psycho on there, and let's find one, like, more, like, what's the, like, most, like, gruesome... Oh, I'll give you one. I'll give you a good one. Bone Tomahawk. Oh, yeah. No, we're done. (laughs) Yeah. Right? (laughs) Yep, when they spend a solid five minutes splitting a man in two. (laughs) That might be one of the most gruesome deaths I've ever seen in a movie, and I watch a lot of gruesome movies. It it really informed a lot about what um, S. Craig Zoller was about. And it's like, I'm going to commit minutes of screen time to... When, when the movie is nothing like that up until that point. It's what makes the movie so it's like fun. It's like, a, it's like a quirky Coen Brothers-esque Western. And then in the last 10 minutes, it becomes like Cannibal Holocaust. Yep. And they, they fully split a man into. It's... And not quickly either. Wild. Yeah, they take their damn time with it. Yep. I'm okay with that. Steve, you have another one you want to suggest, or should we make that before? No, that works for me. I'm not finding any that yeah. stand out. That's fair. If we think about it, we could always add oh, next week. Here's another. Here's oh, a wait. good one. It's not. It's not very graphic. At least, no, oh, no. It was pretty graphic, actually. The Omen. Right. The uh, the sheets of glass. I thought sure. was. Ooh, one. That's that, pretty gnarly. Good on. Yeah. It's a great honorable mention. Um. Trying to think if there's another honorable mention before we move on to uh, non-horror topics for the week. Is it? I mean, I don't think it's in the movie, but "Happy Birthday to Me" has the poster of the guy with like the kebab going through his mouth. That's pretty good. Sure. Um, I, I I don't like things in people's ears in movies. That always like mm. gives me the willies. So that well, sometimes happens. Yeah, I'm don't watch with- Ichi the Killer then. I'm that yeah, way with eyes. That's one of the things I was thinking about. Yeah, like in Orify, and also fingernails being removed. Don't like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's rough. It's okay. Which um, was that? The Gray Man has a has a has a torture scene with that, and that was uh, I was like, I don't need to know about that. Um, I think we're good. I think we're good on that for now. Um, moving on to Miles's favorite topic, Oscar related. Though you might like this one because Ryan McDermott's filmaholic face off. Among these groups of shortlist finalists for the visual effects Oscar, we're going back to VFX, which movie do you think was most deserving of a nomination? All right. So All right. Uh, these are ones I believe were not nominated. Let me see. Yeah, shortlist finalists. So, so uh, maybe some of them were. You'll so 2021. Black Widow, Eternals, Ghostbusters Afterlife, Godzilla versus Kong and the Matrix Resurrections. Those are the five that didn't make it, right? Well, none of those made it as far as I okay. know. So if we were having a sixth nominee, let's do it that way. Which one would you have put forward there? Um, I don't feel strongly about any of these, but I'd probably go Godzilla versus Kong just because it's the most stuff. Sure. Steve? All right. Black Widow. Eternals. Ghostbusters Afterlife, the Godzilla vs. Kong, and The Matrix Resurrections. Not Hellraiser Resurrection. The Matrix Resurrections. Um, yeah, I'd have to agree. I don't remember the five, but they kinda they kinda picked the right five, it seems like. And none of their none, none of them are well, I think Godzilla vs. Kong is the strongest. I think there's some some good sure. effects there and uh, and some good visuals if you include that, you know, bringing these effects yeah. to life and putting them in an environment that's actually visually appealing um, is, is important. And totally. 
you know, there's always that one scene. I forget what's is it Hong Kong where it's all. Yeah, 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 yeah. With the, with the neon lights, where yeah, everything's neon. neon yeah, that's a standout. So it, it, very Pacific Rim. Yeah, yeah. The movie's yes. dumb as yeah. rocks, but the VFX are fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I don't feel like the movie is good enough for the VFX strong enough for a sleep. So I'm gonna just go with the movie I liked best here, which was Ghostbusters Afterlife. VFX yeah. were fine. I can't remember yeah, I any effects. The, the there's right one. Is, there's one particularly ghoulish effect in it near the end that i have it's not in a it, well that was a divisive effect i think if i think it also depend on how much you were with the movie uh, uh, whether that oh i think not. i know what you're talking um, about. but yeah i think the right five were probably nominated all right 2020 birds of prey bloodshot miles Bank. i think you're right man uh, soul welcome to chechnya wait soul was on the short list yeah Oh, well, 2020, it was pretty dire. Yeah. I mean, one um, of these movies is heads or tails, like more of a strong contender than the others. But there's only one here that really sticks out like a sore thumb, and it's Bloodshot. Ironically, well, yeah, the, Bloodshot, awful. Um, the, for, for, what was the first for, one? First one was Birds of Prey. By the way, Bloodshot, for over a year, was the last film I saw in a movie theater. I think for a lot of people, that was one of the last big releases. It was one of the things that depressed me most. That like, if they never come back, that's how I went out. Geesh. Uh, yeah. Um, okay, so hold on. Birds of Prey, Bloodshot. Mank. Soul. Soul. Mank. The, yeah. Oh, I guess and there's subtle visual effects in the background. Yes. Um, I'll go with Mank because yeah. I didn't notice them. Yeah, which is what was intended with those. By the way, there was a happy ending to that story, Miles, because my return to cinemas spiral very nice yes all right i think mine was tenet so less successful yeah but you were excited for it sort of i mean i'd already heard pretty mixed things so my expectations were well tempered well the were was just the timing was placed differently there was a time where you were excited for it before you were contemplating whether it was worth risking your life for this film twas not spoiler alert no steve I will follow up with Mank as well. Yeah, it's a sweep on that one. Yeah. The other one, like, Soul, I'm of two minds with the animated films being in this category just because it's such a different muscle that I I don't know. I know Welcome to Chechnya was like, um, was like deep fake footage, right? Was a lot of what they were yeah, doing there? Yeah, or something. I, I didn't see it. Yeah, that was Yeah, deep I think fake. it got to the Bake Off. It, it got was... to the Bake Off because I think a lot of voters were not familiar with deep fake. But no, Mank, Mank's like subtle aging down the time period was really well done. Also, it's a it's a Fincher movie. It's technically perfect. Like, hard to argue there. All right. Yeah. 2019. Oh, fuck. <laughs> All right. Alita Battle Angel. <laughs> Captain Marvel. Cats. Oh, no. <laughs> Gemini Man. Oh, boy. Terminator Dark Fate. Can I just say that if the cats includes the butthole cut, I'll vote for that. <laughs> but it doesn't. I'm going to go with Terminator Dark Fate because it's the only one of these that doesn't make me sad. Eh. Steve? What was the first one? First one was Alita Battle Angel. I, I like Alita. Yeah, well I was gonna say, I'll Actually, go with no, Alita. you know what? I'm going to go Alita. Alita has nice effects. It's, it's mm-hmm. a dumb movie. Dumb, 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 dumb movie. But it's it's fine. Also, fully gave us a setup for a movie they're never going to make. 
Well, I like that the big twist is it's Edward Norton. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'd see another one. I like it in like a John Carter kind of way. Sure, it's you'd not see great, it. but it's fun. Sure, you'd see it, but do you also have 150 million handy to finance it? Oh, no way. No. Yeah. I mean, it's not, you know. <laughs> you and everyone else. I don't give a fuck if they make it or not, but if they yeah. did make it, I'd watch it. If they made a cat sequel, would you watch it? No. Nah. Steve, you're going uh, Terminator? Or are you going Alita? No, Alita. Also, they would Alita. literally get better goodwill from the public if they took the budget for Cats 2 and just filmed themselves setting it on fire rather than mm. actually make it. Or if they if they were like, Cats, now with buttholes. Yeah, it's too late. Y'all yeah. miss, miss the opportunity for the gag. You know what's depressing? They essentially deleted the file of Batgirl. But somewhere, there's a hard drive of all the removed buttholes from Cats. <laughs> Some very... That very poor very sad effects programmer who just that was their job for a while yep, is that just, true just erasing They're, yes bad girl bad at girls. one point at one point in the film the cats were more anatomically correct no 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 the bad girl part it's i mean it exists I, I think they i think they have to to take the right down on it that's why they were having like funeral screenings for it so i'm sure Oh, come on. It exists in a form. But it is, I'm sure, not on the server in any way possible to access it. It's like sitting on a, like, external hard drive, not connected to the internet, in a warehouse somewhere. Because I don't think they would delete it, like, from the earth, per se. I mean, that's insane. It is. The whole thing is still upsetting and stupid. Um, Which film are you picking? Um, what were the options? Didn't I pick already? <laughs> Alita. Uh, I, I remember. If you, oh, okay, you go yeah. Alita. Third um, time's a charm. <laughs> fair enough. Uh, Alita's got solid effects. My favorite scene in Captain Marvel is still seeing the script for more rats. Um, I like Captain Marvel as a movie, but the effects are just solid Marvel run of the mill. Cats is a nightmare fuel. Terminator Dark Fate is solid, but there's no like, you know boggles the mind effects in it gemini man i imagine had we all seen it in the way intended maybe but i watched it on a screener at home to do an interview with the vfx people and it looked solid so i guess i have to go lead as well unenthusiastically all right this one should probably be easy but there is a caveat all right so your options are ant-man and the wasp black panther Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, Mary Poppins Returns, and clearly the front runner here. Welcome to Marwin. Fuck off. Well, I was about to say everyone's gonna pick Black Panther, except Miles, you love to bring up how awful that last scene is. Well, I that's the thing that's tough, is like the practical stuff in Black Panther looks amazing, like all the world building and all of the production design and stuff like that. But like the fight scenes, especially that last fist fight on the train tracks, is just so ropey mm-hmm. and so like it cost it, it's the like a video part argue. of the film. It's like a yeah, I, it's would, really I would argue rough. it cost it the nomination. I would agree. Mm-hmm. Um so I don't know that I can pick that for visual if we're talking for visual effects, I don't especially like the movie, but I'd probably go uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Sure. It's better effects than the newest one, I think. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, all of them look worse than the original, so, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But at least they they stumbled onto, like, the darkness of, like, a horror movie. Well, exactly. Like, the lighting and the ambiance in that one, I think, give the effects a little more pop than in either of the Trevorrow Well, they have, they have a more style. They have a more stylized filmmaker. They have no better of a script, maybe arguably a worse script. No. But they have they have some direction behind it. Yeah, yeah. No, the, the newest one has the worst script because locusts. Ugh. I remembered and got angry all over again. Uh, Steve, what are you picking? Mary Poppins Returns. It's got some good visual effects. All right. Uh, I'll... I almost went Morrowind just because the effects are no. a nightmare. Fuel. Oh. So now I go Jurassic World. Black Panther would have been on my second pick, even though, you know, I guess like the costume is a visual effect, right? A lot of the time. Yeah, but that's part of that Marvel genre yeah, costume exactly. I hate, which is just CGI slathered something over somebody's body while they're wearing like their sweatpants or whatever. Yeah, yeah, he's he's Tony Starking it. Yeah, I think Mary which, Mary Poppins did a good uh, returns did a good job bridging old and new. I think that's you know that for sure. me that's what works about it. Sure, I just didn't care for the movie. By the way, we don't need to talk about trailers because it's just essentially directing people to look at the trailer on the site, but. Miles, as you brought up the like, eh, I'm not. I don't love that like costume CGI that Marvel does. Not only do you get that in the new Black Panther one, you get your Tony Starky um, CGI for uh, Ironheart in it too. Yeah, but that looks like closer to like the Mark One Iron Man suit, where it'll at least be a physical thing and not just nano mesh that just it laps onto uh, somebody's skin or whatever. Yeah, no, that's definitely going to be um, Shuri's. Uh, one even though they're not telling you it's her yet if you're paying attention they're telling you it's her yeah yeah they're they're doing their marvel thing where they're like we're not spoiling anything all right last one alien covenant dunkirk okja the shape of water ryan's yelling from across the country and uh valerian and the city of a thousand planets uh, I mean, I have to go Shape of Water here. It's like just the one special effect, really, but it is like beautiful and in many ways is half of the main relationship in the movie. Um, and anyone who thinks otherwise can suck it. Wow. Sure. Steve? Uh, I'm going to follow suit. Uh, yeah, I think I like I appreciate the art direction more. But. I'm sure there's plenty of visual effects in there, uh, which seem pretty seamless. Uh, it, it brings a, mm. it's kind of a storybook to life type feel to it. So I'm going to go with that. All right. I'm going to go Dunkirk. See, I'd have to. Yeah, it that be, probably would have been my favorite, my uh, second. I'd have to see Dunkirk yeah. again to, to pay attention to the visual effects. It's oh. well, That's the problem. I don't recall exactly what we're judging this on. All right. No worries. Um, let's talk about the latest awards news, which is for a reason we can discuss. Um, Apple has decided to actually release the Will Smith movie Emancipation this year, which, um, I was talking to someone else about this a couple days ago when the news broke. So Apple had three sort of expensive movies laying around, essentially. They had Killers of the Flower Moon, by all accounts, not done, right? So not an option. And I guess you can't push Scorsese to finish, right? So that's just what it is. 
They had the Ridley Scott movie with Joaquin Phoenix. Is it just called Napoleon now, right? It was initially I called think like, so, yeah. yeah. It was called Kit Bag at one point. Um, I don't believe it's done, but I think notoriously um, Ridley Scott edits in like 20 minutes, which sometimes shows. So I think there was a thought that it could be ready. And of course, the, the long-completed Emancipation, which was all set to uh, either pick up the slack if Will Smith didn't win for King Richard or to be an afterglow nomination or maybe two in a row, maybe two wins in a row um, for him. And then the uh, thing that we don't need to talk about happened. And uh, it made all the sense in the world to hold on to it for a little while. But also Apple is a giant company that likes money and wasn't going to just let a bunch of movies sit on the shelf for a year. So that's the one they decided to put out. So in December, Emancipation is coming out. Um, and uh, a lot of people in this line of work decided to immediately start talking about, oh, so when he's nominated, can he show up? Not not if, not let's wait and see the movie. Just like jumping to the conclusions that it must happen, um, which is silly as a, uh, Miles is very prone to talk about, and you can say your piece in a second about that. But I will just bring up people who love this podcast. First of all, what's wrong with you? Um, but second of all, Miles, who do we often bring up as like the complete down the center of directing? Why, that would be Mr. Antoine Fuqua, of course. By any chance, who directed Emancipation? Uh, let me see. I think it was, um, uh, let me, oh. Yeah, so it's an Antoine Fuqua movie. Like, I get it that, like, it's got Will Smith, but also how many Antoine Fuqua movies have Denzel Washington? And he doesn't get nominated for them. Uh, maybe this is the one to do it. Like, we've been very clear in our discussions of, of him that we're not particularly criticizing Antoine Fuqua. Like, he makes a very specific movie and does it. I would say reasonably or more than reasonably well, but he tends yep. to be making a specific type of movie. He does not usually make prestige fair. So I think this maybe is getting pushed as prestige fair when it's maybe not. And that's a whole other thing that'll get wrapped up in like the politics of accepting or not accepting Will Smith back into like everyone's good graces. But Essentially, there's only been one screening of the movie for, like, a select few friends, essentially, who, yeah, they liked it. So I, I don't know what to make of that beyond, like, I put it in my predictions in, like, you know, like, around the 20 range for picture and, like, 11 for Will Smith, an actor. That seems fair. Um, but, Miles, you can say your piece about people who are jumping to conclusions four months early or two months early now, I guess. Well, it is the same song and dance as when people are doing their year in advance predictions. Um, you know, I, I say it time and time again, but you can't predict the editing of a film that hasn't been edited yet. And you can't predict the quality of a performance that the vast majority of the world has not seen yet. We don't know critically how it's going to do. I mean, it's a streaming movie, so the numbers, I feel like, aren't playing as much of a factor as, uh, you know, box office would to a theatrical film. Um, but th it's just, it's a big unknown. I think it's right next to something like Babylon, Avatar, Black Panther, you know, the very small handful of question marks we still have after the yeah. festivals. 
Uh, and, you know, it's the subject matter, I think, is honestly more than anything. The thing that makes people think, oh, well, 12 Years a Slave won Best Picture, and now here's Will Smith doing his concussion accent in like a very Oscar Beatty sort of, you know, rendition of that. Uh, so maybe this could be something, and it could be something, or it could be nothing. We'll see. I did hear the score really slaps. Hmm. The score that maybe ten people have heard. That's true. But um, Miles, rethink the sentence that Steve said. Oh, is it like a pun? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you got there. I was like, "What? That's what's going punny. on here?" Hey, there we go. Someone it's horrific. Has to do it. That's what I'm here for. All right. Last topic before we go. Um, anyone who perused the box office this weekend saw that uh, Smile had a treat and Bros got got a trick. It, it really bombed, which is a shame because it is a very good, very funny movie. But we were talking about this off air. It, it really missed an opportunity to market itself better. So here's the thing. Obviously, because it is a movie about a gay romance, you were not going to get everyone who normally goes to a romantic comedy. You just, you have to sort of accept that as an unfortunate reality of this world. So why, and I will credit Mike Ryan on Twitter for this, why did the trailers not really lean into from the director of Forgetting Sarah Marshall and Neighbors, two movies that made well over $100 million? And are undeniably successful. I mean, I mean, he's a comedy director who has probably made almost a billion dollars at the box office by now. Like, he is a brand. Maybe not the same as, like, an Apatow, where, like, the producer of the film, who, like, it is a brand. But uh, Nick Stoller is, like, a reliable comedy filmmaker. Billy Eichner has his fans um, in, a, in a similar way to, like, an Amy Schumer, let's say. And Amy Schumer and Trainwreck made $100 million. So it was probably never going to do that. But why they didn't lean into more of the, like, this is an Apatow joint. This is from the filmmaker who made a bunch of movies you all went to see. And by the way, the TIFF reviews were really strong. Like, it's in the 90%, I think, on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Also, why not bring it out during feel-good movie season? You know, sometime, like, maybe November, December, when people are going to see, you know, a lighter fare. And in, in, or, in addition to the Oscar stuff, but I think... Or come out right after TIFF, like The Woman King. And The Woman yeah. King arguably got a nice bounce out of TIFF, and also there not being a ton of other things. I mean, we have seen many times over the years that comedies lose to horror in October. Um, Saw, many a, many a year, buried a comedy. I mean, Saw even... Even, even when Saw was falling... At the end, and I think six was the one that really like bombed Tur- by comparison. Yeah, turn right? it around. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's still like uh, that came out two weeks or a week before um, Zachary Mary Make a Porno, which came out on the thirty first. Which, by the way, never release a movie on October thirty first on a Friday. Nobody goes to the movies, so don't release a comedy in October against a horror film. Don't put out movies on Halloween. That's a separate issue. That was a Weinstein Company fuck up, but. It just seems like the ball was dropped here. And I kind of feel bad. Like, this was a movie coming out at a time where a lot of comedies are struggling to be the hits that they used to be. 
And you really don't want studios to be like, ah, comedies can go to like Hulu and Netflix and stuff like that. We don't need them in theaters anymore. But it's not helping. It's not helping the cause at all. I think you just hit the nail on the head there because, you know, Nicholas Stoller, yes, he's maybe not a name, but he's definitely a brand. And he definitely has had a lot of success in this genre before. But like. It's been a long time since a comedy brought in that kind of money, and certainly a long time before comedies as a genre overall brought in decent money consistently. And I think a big part of that has to do with, you know, there's been a shift in terms of, you know, what people think of in terms of that's worth going to the theater for or that's I can wait for streaming. And, you know, you look at something like uh, King of Staten Island, which is probably, you know, one of the closer sort of recent contemporaries. And that one did kind of cushion itself by also, you know, doing a bit of a streaming release. And it's, uh, you know, I think expecting bros to make train wreck money was maybe a little naive just because like, again, there's no, I mean, October as well, you know, release it literally any other time of the year, you know, September, like you said, was kind of a wasteland for a few weeks there. Um, you know, or even during the summer where people are feeling something more upbeat like this. It's October, it's spooky season, it's decent counter-programming against something like Smile, but it was never going to pull in those kind of numbers. Yep. By the way, Trainwreck, July release. Exactly. You know, there there is a time where the- One, Sarah Marshall, I remember 40-Year-Old Virgin and uh, did very well in like August or something like that. Yeah, they're usually like beginning of summer, end of summer movies, like a big summer comedy, like your hot come in laugh. Like, like that, I think it should have come out in August because we had a, a bit of a dearth in August. And that's the time of year where this kind of thing, I think, would do well, where it's much lower stakes than a lot of the more intense summer stuff. But it's still like, you know, one my, last hurrah before we go back to school or whatever. Like a Thanksgiving release was, wouldn't be bad, like against, you know, the counter programming yeah. against like. The yeah, get, well, yeah, you could you could put it put it up against prestige. I think what happened was I have no knowledge about this. I did not ask anyone at the studio about this. So I could be talking out of my ass, but I have a suspicion that test screenings were very, very good. And they got it in their head to go to Toronto on launch after Toronto, as opposed to dropping right before Toronto. And sure. I mean, everything was going according to plan. The reviews were great. Like I was at that theater. I missed 15% of the dialogue because people were laughing hard. Like it was a successful premiere. Um, why it didn't come out like that weekend beyond me you know what though that's just like you bring up something well, i remember being actively surprised that it wasn't when i heard those reviews i was like oh okay well if they're smart this is about to come out this will time with it perfectly and then i look it up as like oh this isn't coming out for almost a month yeah and and people didn't it didn't maintain the the momentum and also it wasn't marketed quite like that there was a one like tv spot i think that ran it's like ron tomato score but it just it should have really leaned into like this is the next hit comedy. You love hit comedies. Come see the next hit comedy. It should and have leaned into being I funny. And it it's, yeah. Well, I mean, even the Rotten Tomatoes score doesn't mean much to me if it, you know I want something that says, oh wait, I, I need to see more of this. Well, I mean, it's it's fairly dirty, so like I get it. The like the TV yeah. spots are a little harder to do, but like the Red Band trailer is better than the regular spots, but still could have been a little more indicative of the movie because the movie is 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 clever and well done and it never translated into people in the seats and what did it make i mean 
It made like, like four point eight million. Yeah. Oh, geez. so the report that I heard was it tracked pretty normally in on the coasts, like New York, L.A., San Francisco, things like that. Like the expected comedy crowd kind of showed up, and it just was empty seats in the more middle America parts, which I'm sure they had to kind of think was going to happen to one degree or another, just because that's the nature of not always the most you know understanding human beings in the world but you you could have maybe cut some of that off at the pass by leaning into like but you love this guy's movies and instead it was a little bit more almost like leaning close to saying it was a prestige film like it like not prestige but there's an importance to this to this movie and sure there is but you can not lead with that and work. Like, I don't recall Crazy Rich Asians marketing it like that. They kind of just no, marketed it as like, not. here's a rom-com you're going to like. It's charming. Like, ladies, you're going to love this movie. Your boyfriend won't hate it. Come, come see this movie. And it made all the money. And then the articles get written for you about like, holy crap, this is like super important. This movie exists. We should try to get nominated for Oscars. And more of these movies should exist. And had bros open like 25 30 and went to 100 million dollars those articles probably would have happened they wouldn't maybe have gone as far because it's a, a raunchy comedy but like listen there was a, a little bit of, of buzz for for train wreck king of staten island like apatow comedies when they're successful get a little bit of buzz and like you know listen the golden globes are awful but they're back like bros would have been right there right and yeah yeah, the Globes are kind of allergic to underperforming mainstream movies. Like it's going to have a harder time than you would think. It might get into comedy just because I don't know what the options are going to wind up being. But uh, you know, Billy Eichner is going to struggle to get nominated. Like any chance of a screenplay is probably out of the question now. Like all those things that like could have come along with the territory seem to have been bungled. And listen, I get it but also wasn't the best look in the world for Billy Eichner to essentially blame the audience for not coming. Well, yeah, I, ah, it really rubs me the wrong way because listen, like we're on here because we love movies and we love talking about movies and uh, many people do like there are many just like us, but it's nobody's obligation to go out to the movies. You know, I have movies that I love that I didn't see until years and years after they came out. Like, we're not at your beck and call to sort of show up on opening day because that's when whoever decided opening day would be. If I want to wait to see this one on Netflix, that's what I'm going to do. And I think and we've a lot been of trained, people kind of felt the same way. We've been trained to do so anyway. So it's, you know. Yes, exactly. If you, well, if that's, they, a, that's an issue they, as well. That like yeah. People were getting trained to wait. Like unless, unless it has a comic book character. Or unless it's a big Tom spoiler that you have to avoid being spoiled. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like that's people what they... are people are showing us via the numbers what kinds of movies they're prioritizing for theaters and what they're prioritizing for streaming. And and the thing that Spielberg talked about years ago that would that like some people mocked him for and some people like oh god I hope that doesn't happen is honestly kind of happening where he's like theaters oh, totally. will never go away movie theaters will never go away movies will always come out in theaters but the things that are going to do well are going to be essentially event things. They're going to be like going to a theme park or they're going to be on the smaller scale, the things that want to win Oscars and are going to play to a different crowd. And there's not going to be a ton of room for the, the middle ground. Like, you know, all the, many of our favorite films are the middle ground and 
there was a time in which they came out and did amazing, right? Um, I was just at the press conference for White Noise, which, by the way, is always a mindfuck for me because Noah Baumbach kind of sounds like Miles. Like, you guys oh, have a really? similar voice. Um, some Certain words, especially. I'll be like, oh, sounds really similar. It would be amazing to have him do the podcast to see if I accidentally mistook one of you. I don't think it would happen, but it would be amazing. But he well, was let's talking see if we about, can make it happen. Yeah. Uh, Netflix, you're listening. Um, he was talking about how, you know, white noise probably only exists because Netflix is willing to pay for it. But he's like, this This is a movie that in 1978, 1984, you know, obviously in the 60s, like would not have been troubling to get made like a difficult adaptation of a popular book. Like that was what got made, especially he didn't say it, but especially for a filmmaker who has a track record right now. It's largely the streamers, right? Where does Scorsese go at this point? Even, you know, Spielberg has, has pretty much resisted, but he's Spielberg. Tarantino has resisted, but he's Tarantino. The, The number of people who are resisting completely and are making movies on a level like that are few and far between. And, and let's, let's be real. Spielberg just had a very high profile flop. No one can pretend that West Side Story was was successful financially. And, you know, the Fablemans will probably do fine, but it's not going to make $100 million. It may not make as much as, as West Side Story, honestly. So we are at a time where it is harder and harder to get people to come to the movies to see your movie. So you need to figure out the reason they'll go. And, and telling them that you need to go because it's the right thing to do is all well and good, but... Especially for a movie like this, probably should have just told people to see a funny movie. You know, that's that's my thing. Uh, I also I think he might have also deleted that tweet, which probably was for the best. Well, bit too little, too late. After all, the think pieces are out. Not maybe he didn't. I was like, I was looking for it just to. I don't need to read it. Like you guys can look it up if you want. It's not like the worst thing in the world. He's not in trouble, I would say, but it, it, it reads a little bit like a spur of the moment. Like I'm pissed and like fucking guys didn't come see the movie. Like, what are you doing? Like be better America. And like, yeah, we agree. But like, I, I jokingly said it earlier, like miles didn't go see the movie. Steven didn't go see the movie. Clearly hate mongers, right? There are more, there's more than one reason why someone doesn't go to a movie. It's not necessarily a rejection of what you made. And, Sure, you want to get people to go to it, and that's the objective, but there were other reasons why I think this did as bad as it did. I think had they done everything right, it probably would have made 10 or 12 million in open soft. I think that we just sort of learned like the the comedy is struggling and also it just was never going to play in the middle of the country. But the fact that $4 million is like tough to imagine. As like a wide release number for a well liked mainstream comedy movie. The thing is, that, I don't like. Go ahead. Yeah. Go, no, guys, it just means people, people who would have seen it, ended up going to smile, ended up staying home, ended up doing something else, and that's a shame. Not because you want, don't want the movie to succeed. You obviously want the movie to succeed. What it what it's a shame is is it's pushing more and more movies like this to the streaming platforms. And that's great for the streaming platforms. And like, I love that they keep these things alive, but 
I don't know. It's better to watch comedy in theaters. Yeah, well, I was going to say, that's one thing, is the experience of sitting in a theater with a good crowd that is completely into, you know, and on board with the comedy that's being presented and laughing. It's There's an energy that you can't get at home. But uh, in addition, the when it comes to streaming at home and, and say, okay, if this showed up on Netflix, it only creates so much buzz. I'm sure it does well for Netflix and it does, you know, they get some numbers, but it only creates a certain level of buzz. Like Stranger Things is one of the exceptions where everybody's talking about it um, on like on a streamer. But how often does anything, no matter if it's a prestige piece or a comedy or an action film, uh, it's, it's got a shorter shelf life. And then it just becomes part of the catalog. And it's, that's the challenge I think they have, especially with a film like this. If it came out, I don't know, say six years ago before the streamers took over, it, it would have a sh- it, and and well timed. It would have had a shot of, of being a big film. It could have been a train wreck, but it's you know why why go see this film when it's going to be on streaming? You know, I'm guessing what four weeks, three weeks. Um, we've been trained not to do it, and there's not that there's not that must you know must get out there, must go out and buy the ticket, be there first in line. Because, you know, I, I've, I've got a basketball game to coach this weekend and I've got to paint the house and whatever else it is. Eh, it'll be on eventually. And you don't have that uh, that urgency. So it's going to be sure. tough for films like this to to gain that momentum. I, I don't really what is like what is the last comedy that you remember that people were like talking by buzz, not just because of some of the of the names in, in, uh, involved with it. But because of the buzz created by the film itself, really uh, succeeded. I I can't remember when the last time there was one. I did I did I did a brief look while we were talking, and um, they they list odd things as comedies, like Ghostbusters Afterlife is not a comedy. But even that um, even that underperforms when you look at the numbers of for no, Ghostbusters. I mean, film. I mean, a hundred one hundred thirty eight million or whatever was fine. Yeah, I don't know. What no, it's meant. fine, but it's but not you know, it's not three hundred twenty five million. Sure. You know, Honestly, they list like the Minions movies and stuff. It's like, is that where comedy Oof. is at? Just like kids animated films. Oh, that's or, kid garbage. That's. I mean, here's a film that made over a hundred billion. Daddy's Home Two. So like, oh really? There's some. Oh. Yeah. So yeah. maybe we just have ourselves to blame. I think. Yeah. Really. I think. I think. Uh, yeah. Let's not talk about it anymore. It's sad. It really makes yeah. me sad. Yeah. A, a local What's... theater in my hometown just closed down this week, and they said, "Yeah, we used to survive because." We would put out independent films and uh, and foreign uh, international films um, that you wouldn't have access to, and people love to come in there and just sit down and enjoy the film. And it's like you don't need to anymore because you know we're, it, they they just were don't. Like, Steve, where were you? We were yeah. waiting for you. Yeah, I, I would buy tickets. I just came. didn't show. But down the street is the, is a blo- is the big multiplex that's showing sure. seven screens of an action film or of a superhero oh, yeah. film. I mean, listen, like. Kevin Smith has talked about this over the years of like when he likes something, sometimes he'll just buy a ticket periodically, just to like show his support. And that's not a thing you can do on a like wide scale level. It's just not a thing that like the average person can do. But if it's if it's at the point where people are like, I'm worried about movies and I want to like, I'm just gonna not buy. I'm gonna buy a ticket and not show just because I want people to know that like people are going. It's not it's not a great sign. So 
Uh, unfortunately, we're not going to solve that problem today. So let's uh, let's wrap up for the for the night. Next week, you guys will be hearing us talk about the Blob and more about Hellraiser and several other topics. But for now, um, Steve, Miles, Miles first, uh, say where you can be followed. And um, in keeping with our way we're doing this as of last week, uh, give me the title of your uh, Saw reboot. Okay. Uh, well, you can find me on both Twitter and Letterboxd at Miles on Film. That's M-Y-L-E-S on Film. Please check out my short films, American Exorcist and Once Upon a Dracula. They are both on YouTube under Aftershock Pictures and Chase Capo, respectively. By the way, did you uh, hear what I said to Kelly? Could you hear the conversation or no? I couldn't hear your side of it, no. Uh, I asked her if, uh, if her family had seen all of your movies. Because I assume your uh-huh. family has seen all the stuff you've done. Because I yeah. wanted to know what would happen if she showed her family the monsters and told them you made it. Oh, that's so rude. If they would have that's been like, so rude. If they would have been like, this is fine. Like you guys made it on the weekend, and like you know, the, do you guys do like community theater with these actors, or are they like, do they work with you? Like you know, they would have, they would have been like complimentary, but also like trying to figure out the same issues we're trying to figure out. It would have been Listen. funny. Listen, you joke, and I saw the trailer for the Munsters and immediately thought, this has nothing to offer me. But the other thing I thought was, I have seen, like, my classmates in film school make stuff that looks better than this. Sure. So I just... it, it is, it's, I mean, I don't like the dig at me personally, but it is <laughs> on that level where, like, random, young, not established filmmaker, anybody could have made this. Are you no longer a, rand- a young filmmaker? I, you know, I'm, I'm on the upper echelon of young. That's true. I just, I just was a juror for the, I think it was the Real Works Festival. It's, it's a young person's like film festival. It was myself, Wilson Morales um, from Black Film and TV. Elegance Bratton, actually the director of uh, The Inspection. And it is interesting to watch like films that are made by people who maybe will have a career, maybe won't. And every so often you're like, yeah, this looks as good as like, a couple of the indies that I've recently seen. Like, sometimes it doesn't matter. And sometimes you're Rob Zombie. All right, carry on. Oh, and then my uh, Saw movie is going to be called... Um... You're like Jigsaw. Be- Wait, they took that one. Been there, saw that. All right. Been there, saw that. Been like like uh, trash in the UK or no? Would be what? funny. No, like B-I-N. Like the bin. I know it's oh, not. It would have been funny. No, that's not anything. <laughs> All right. Steve? Um, hi, I'm Steve. Oh, sorry. This is the end. Um, you can follow me on Twitter <laughs> and Letterboxd at Filmstork. You can also listen to The Verse, my podcast. It's on Awards Radar. We cover all the cinematic universes. Most recently, uh, hung out with Andor, the new Star Wars and can you uh, confirm or deny that there's still a robot on that show there is not a robot on the show the last the most recent oh. robot is has uh left a note and, and disappeared it's, it's a sad state of affairs um mm-hmm. but we don't i don't like to talk about it right now you know it's, uh, i don't have any robot. volume left um but yeah there are ah. robots what was that i'm sorry i, I just like that morning the robot uh, oh. um right. and yeah give it a listen uh, at the first cast on twitter and it's on all the podcast uh 
providers. On all and, the podcasts? Uh, if you're listening to Marini, it shows, it shows up? No, I, I, you said it's on all the podcasts. So I was like, wait, it's on all of them? Like, if you listen to Marin, like, the verse just pops up? No, no, no. All the podcast providers, I'm sorry. Um, ah. Yes. I mean, it's slightly that's a different. great scheme, though, if we can if we can upload our podcast onto yeah. all the podcasts. I think I know how, too. As long as they don't mm, have passwords. Um, and well, if we'll I'm going to name my, my Saw film, I'm going to go with Saw Enigma. Saw Colon Enigma. So this one's about uh, the formation of the computer, computer, right? That's, That's it. right. I made it. I made it in uh, the imitation game joke. Very These good. We call them computers. Uh, you can find me at Joey Magazine, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd. Uh, you can see uh, how I stack the things at the New York Film Festival. Uh, Awards Radar is on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see if this is allowed. But in true reboot fashion, I'm going to call my film Saw. I mean, it's allowed, but it's lame. Is it lame or is it perfect? It's lame. That's lame. Fine. Um, You know what? Then fine. I'll give you a real one. I had a backup. I just wanted to see if if I got a like, damn it, I would have taken that or not. And you went the other direction. I'm going to go with Saw, colon... Time to play the game. Hmm. Yeah, it's better. Yeah, it's better. It's a little wordy, but it's better. I mean, saw time to play, but that's a little silly. Yeah. Saw play the game or time to play the game. Tool time. You can have Tim Allen in there. Yeah, I didn't cast. I didn't cast Tim Allen, unfortunately. <laughs> no, you know what? I got it. I got guess. it. Saw game over. You chose oh, Chris you Evans. Go. That's a good one. There you go. Chris Evans instead. Yes. I mean, that's another way to do it. I like what you did there. I, I appreciate thank it. You. Thank you. Uh, thank you. All right. Next week, we'll be back talking about all those things. Um, and then we will we will probably continue our, you know, talking about movies that we bring up like this periodically. We, we promise we will do Mars Attacks at some point in November. Mars Attacks will happen. We promise. And then we'll do the ones where we let you guys vote. Because I have some wild movies I thought of. Like, have either of you ever seen Open Windows? Which one is that? That's the Nacho Vigilando movie with, with um, Elijah Wood that's all on, like, computer Oh, screens. no, I haven't. But I remember when it came out. Yeah, that's a that's a movie you could discuss. Uh, but we will we will we will obviously start with the long, long promised Mars attacks uh, that will come sometime in November. But for now, stay safe. We will see you at the movies. Probably not seeing bros. And uh, next week, we will continue uh, to wander around Terror Town. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and to visit awardsradar.com for the best in awards and entertainment content.